Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. We have finally hit that place where all of our collective prayers are being answered. I don't know what's beeping. I'm good. All right. Because I need to be good. But I thank God for you, and I thank God for us. Pretty soon, family, you're going to see me everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And you're going to say, I started with this woman and we started with the Paula Price show. Well, actually, we started with the prayer show. But I started with this woman over five years ago, and some of you all have been with me longer than that. It always tickles me when I, I look online and say, you know, I've been following you since. I'm thinking, what a wonderful testimony. And so, uh, but now your prayers are being answered, and you're going to see me everywhere. You all pray. You said this, this word needs to be heard around the world. This testimony, this lesson, this class, you know how you all pray. You know, and when the saints get together and start praying, I don't care what a devil say, he can't stop a praying saint. One of the things that I do know about Jesus Christ is that before he left the planet uh, for good, at least in his physical body, he said whatever we asked of him, he would do it. I hold to that. Two or three touching anything in his name, he will do it. And then with two or three agree, he will do it. And so we've been more than three. We are now moving up. I know some of us were stuck. We were stunned last week. We're moving into the tens of thousands now. Well, last week we we you know kind of reached what thirty-five thousand folks. Yes, with our reach. Yes. I said with all, your broadcasts. with all of my, yeah. I said, well, when did we do that? You know, because we remember being chopped, being happy, saying, "Yay, thirty-five! Oh, hallelujah!" Three point five. Yeah, we remember that three point five day. Yes, yeah. and, and, and then we went to the eight. I always remember the eight because the eight is when was the turning point when we first started. So I'm excited about what's happening, but I want you to be excited with me because we did this together. I know that you all are accustomed to ministers telling you how great they are and how they did this and all of those kinds of things, but I want you to understand me, me, Dr. Paula, a we're a team. I believe in teams. This is a joint effort, and it was all of us working. Your prayer, I don't care if you sent one prayer or 20 prayers. I mean, I, a couple of you all sent me these beautiful prayers, and then I had the little the, the, the flowers and the roses and carrying on. You know, you all are very creative, by the way. <laughs> you're quite creative and innovative. But your prayers and then your decrees and then your declarations, and all of that has converged. You will see me everywhere. 2019, you're going to see me everywhere. We're actually starting next month. And, and, and your words, your decrees, you said this word should be on TV. It should go global. It should be worldwide. You said that. 
and then you played it through. And so then let's talk about those of you who not only played it through, but you blessed. You financed this. Your seeds, you're about to see your seeds. You'll be able to sit in your chair and say, you know what? I sold into that. And that is something that no one can take from you because that's coming to the aid of the Lord. You know, there, I've talked about this before, that passage in Deborah, in Judges 5. I'm going to go there just because I want you to know how valuable it is that you came to the aid of the Lord. Because, see, some people, they don't realize, that they're so, so humanist in their view that they don't realize that they can hold up God's thing and frustrate God's hand simply because they're caught up and we don't know what. And so I'm, cause I'm, gonna play a, I'm play, uh, going to pray a special prayer um, on my folks who came to the aid of God for me. And you all have heard my story. That is not something that happens, that has historically, it has changed a great deal. But historically, that's not something that happens for me in my life, you know? And so those of you who push past my enemies, who push past my adversaries, who push past my critics, my resistors and opposers and adversaries, because you all push past. And those of you, oh, yeah, I'm a prayer. Because, you know, my prayers work. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, my prayers work. And when I say a thing is going to be, it's going to be. And if I don't think it's going to be, I'm going to tell you it should, it might, it may. If I use speculative language, you understand that I'm just really now being motivational, <laughs> you know. I'm not being, you know, decorative, declarative, predictive, all of those words. If you enroll in my school, you'll know what every one of those words means. Hallelujah. But I just, you know, I want to read this because I always, always, Judges 5. First of all, I think every woman in ministry needs to read Judges 5. Actually, everyone in ministry needs to read probably Judges um, 3. I mean, excuse me, four and five, but especially Judges five. There is such power for a woman in ministry that when you read Deborah. Now we have, and so, I, and I teach it a lot. You know why I teach it a lot? Because every time I do, we get a new perspective, first perspective. Deborah four and five. We have brought Deborah down to a little old keyboard stringing, guitar stringing woman who just liked to be a hippie under a palm tree in Israel. And every now and then, she gave the word of the Lord. Well, okay, so that's the, that's the unenlightened view. And there was always a dark perspective, and then there's Christ's perspective. So, but Deborah, to God, was the head of state. I love this thing. Oh, man. I'm right, now. right now, I was yeah. like, can I hit? You already, I was looking for that. Deborah was head of state. We treat her like she wasn't. And when you look her up outside of the charismatic, evangelical commentaries, they tell you, her own people tell you who she was, all right? So Deborah was the head of state. She was the president, whatever, but actually whatever God has. I'm thinking prime minister, because when you are under a theocracy, you have prime ministers. So, so Deborah was a um, prime minister, and she was under the palm tree. And you know how the brotherhood does do us, you know, God ain't called a woman to what? And so she wasn't at the capital. She wasn't there at the, you know, the main place in Jerusalem, at the gate of Jerusalem, if you will. Her gate was the palm tree. I think it's very interesting that Deborah's gate was palm tree because, you know, when God delivered Israel out of Egyptian bondage, 
they went to a place called Elim, E-L-I-M, where there were 70 palm trees. You know, the Lord will trick you like that, bring you out, put you in all of these little lush, lush Caribbean vacations. <laughs> okay? And, and he let them rest because it was a big deal. He put them, he gave them a rest, a nice little Caribbean vacation, hallelujah, after their exodus, because taking down Egypt, getting millions of, of Jews out of Egypt, getting them from the house of bondage. It was tiring and taxing on everybody. Moses needed a break. The people needed a break, and et cetera. And God needed to have them in a rested place for he to tell him what they're going to do. So it's interesting. It, 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 you know, there's correlations all day long in Scripture because the Scripture wasn't written for church, religion, or people. It was written for the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if, once you get that in your head, Scripture will never confuse you again. Ah, that was good, too. Just thought I'd pick that up. I like this little guy. And he's good and great, bright green. Yes, really. I'm, you know, I'm loving him. I had a bunch of them on Amazon, because most of you all don't know I'm an Amazon. Oh, Lord. I'm sure I'm getting a drone. I'm convinced they're going to give me a drone. I'm convinced I'm going to get my own drone. Absolutely love Amazon. <laughs> But, uh, but, but so after the Egyptian exodus, God leads them to the 70, you know, the 70 places of palm trees. And they are, they're resting, I can imagine, for uh, enslaved people and oppressed people. And also after the last whatever years it took for God to bring them out, some people say nine months, others say, uh, you know, a year. You know, it's debatable, but they were finally free. And to make them understand that, to give them a sense of that freedom, they're with these 70 palm trees. I love it. And you know, 70 is the number of elders. And so you can understand that God is saying that I'm letting them know immediately the difference between his service and Pharaoh's service. So we come down the line and we have Deborah, who's obviously precluded from being at the gate wherever the gate was, um, and yet God, because there was no king in Israel then. You said everybody did was, was right in their own eyes, so there was no king, but nobody mentions that there must have been a queen, if we're going to say that. And so they, Deborah is sitting there, and she's judging Israel. And so we look at judging. You even research the word. It didn't say just prophesying. It says she was a prophet, because the prophetic wraps around your whole world, but in her prophetic position, she was prime minister judging Israel. Now, this is really great. I like this. And the reason I like this is because no matter how much the charismatic church tells you otherwise, because the charismatic church is not in scripture except probably under Laodicea. Maybe Corinthians. So the charismatic church is the self-church, the me, my, 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 my church. It's the man-made church. It's the church where, where people, where humans decide that they're going to serve God any old kind of way. It's, you know, so it's kind of democratic, a little bit democratic, a little bit of libertine, and on we go. But Deborah was serving as the prime minister, if that's because if this was still a theocracy, that's the prime minister, and, so, and then took the nation to war. Now, and then Deborah, you know, it, it, it starts off that tells you that, you know, the children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord, the Lord and, and he who was dead. 
and it tells you how the Lord sold them into, you know, because God is like, well, if you kick me out, I'm going to let the highest bidder buy you. That's how it works. Because you are going to serve some spiritual entity. Because the spirit realm precedes the physical realm. The spirit realm energizes and fuels and, and you know, initiates and catalyzes what happens in the natural realm. Now, people can say all day long, I don't believe in it. You know, blind minds don't make good witnesses anyway. So why are we listening to people whose minds are blinded? Now, so, uh, you know, you're talking about people who have to actually lie themselves into the truth they want. Because you have to. Because, you know, but over and over again, God said, but the, the truth is plainly there in front of you, and you choose to overlook it, not look it, kick it aside. So he goes on, and he says, <clears throat> and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, at that reign. And this is, um, what is it, Judges 4, 2 that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. So whenever you mess up with God, you're going to go back to the non-covenant people. I'll say that. And then, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron and 20, and 20 years he mightily. So, you know, I, I, nobody reads this, actually. Children cried out to God. <laughs> they tried, children cried out to the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron and, and 20 years. So they had to pray for change for 20 years. God was ticked. He had moved all of that stuff out so that Sisera's gods could move in. And it took 20 years. People, hear the numbers. See, we don't teach you this. We teach you 20-minute prayer. Snap, clap, clap, it's over. But that is not what happened. This man, and if you look at all of them, it's an average 20 to 40 years, sometimes 80 years, for change to happen God's realm. We love talking about light years. We love talking about this is this many light years away. This happened this many light years ago. And that's science talking. But in the midst of all of those events, there is God's creation. There's creature events, creature happenings, and from whatever world it is. So nothing in God happens overnight. The reason Satan seems to be able to do it fast is because he's doing, he's working with, with what is done and dead. So he can make you rise overnight out of nowhere, and that's assuming he hasn't been working on that person in secret. Because the laws of the spirit are very, very defined, and they are very immutable. You don't change them because you don't like them. Now, you lie about them, and you can lie about the changes. You can lie and say, I did this, and it came overnight. That's a lie. Magic is the lie people tell when they don't want you to know the truth about how things really work so that you don't tap into their game. But magic is a lie, you know? It comes from the priest of, of the line, of the vain deities. The word magic comes from magi. You won't make it sound like, wow, it's, the, it's like the, the altar science of creation. No, it's not. It's the altar lie. Because to stage all of those things you like, it takes those people weeks, months, and years. Because the earth realm works on particles. 
It literally works on particles. The physical world works on particles. I don't care how compressed you see things are. I don't care how tight, how fused they might be. They work on particles. And it takes a while, a long time for particles to become a product. And they have to find each other and on we go. That's a whole other class. But I want you to know that it read, you read this verse. I read this verse in 20 seconds. Israel lived it over 20 years. And it took 20 years for them to warm God's heart up again. Sometimes you can make mistakes in the Lord, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my family, and I mean that, but you can make mistakes in the Lord and you say, oops, sorry, did I do that? Didn't mean to. God forgive me and go on. But you have got to live out what that mistake begot. Because everything we do in this world is begets something else. Because that's how it works in the spirit realm. Now, it works faster than God because they're starting with pure property, uh, well, property and uh, materials. In our world, we're starting with death. We start at death. Everything's dead. That's what we don't get. Everything in the earth realm is dead. Our cute little babies are born with death in them, which is why they immediately start blah, blah, blah. We know that. So the, the two realms have two different methods of productions and two different responses to their initiative. Now, y'all know that was good. Was that good? So 20 years, it took 20 years for the time that they blew God off for them to woo God back into their lives. And what is that telling you? We serve a living God. A statue will just go where you move it. Okay? A chain, your little, your little charms, and they go where you move it. If a human can make it happen, you can understand it is not the true and loving God. Because God has feelings. And some of us, have, I'm not going to say that. Some of you all hurt. Well, I have to, so let me join my, my flesh. Um, but some of us have hurt his feelings. We've embarrassed him. We've insulted him, we've blasphemed him, we've disowned him, we've discredited him, and we did it in a moment for our friends. We did it for the world of the dead, the realm of the dead, and for the dark powers. And when you did that, you thought, well, you know, I'll go to my prayer closet later on and I'll repent later, like he's not real. If that is your mode of Christianity, you don't believe God is a living God. Because if you insulted a physical human being the way you insult God, it would take a lot more than I'm sorry. And some of them will take your apology and still never trust you again or never commune or fellowship with you again. So how much more is the Almighty with millions and millions of people doing that to him every second of every day? So God goes off. He's like, I need a break. You know, I don't even know where he goes for his breaks, but he has them. And so he goes off and he said, I'll just let your new God, the new God that you chose, Run your country for a season so that you can remember how good I am and what good feels like and what good does and its benefits versus the freedoms of wickedness. So verse 4, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapido, she judged Israel at that time. So she's a married woman. See, that's why I said this charismatic ilk is going to die. Trust me, a lot of those doctors that you are, some of you all have killed them anyhow, because you're like, that don't work. God's not working. God's not paying attention to that. But it says here, see, that's church doctrine. I'm telling you now, you need to separate church doctrine and church dogma from 
biblical, biblical truth or Bible truth. Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. So she's perfectly situated to, to, to judge what God wants. In Mount Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Oh, you're not supposed to seek a word. Oh, really? Because that's church doctrine, church dogma. That's pastor craft. Those are laws crafted for the good of the head of a local congregation. But they are not biblical. Now, we are in just these few voice, two verses, we saw a good portion of modern doctrine obliterated. Because it's not God. Again, I've been talking to you about the culture craft of church. Here's something else. If you're keeping a running journal, which would be smart, put this under this, culture craft of church. Because this woman had a husband. Her husband did not make her the judge. Her husband did not make her the one to uh, come and put it out. I hate that one. You know what I hate? When he comes out, when she's in her office, and he comes out, and he puts his hand over his little hand over her head, and he pats her little head like she's a dumb little thing, like a little dumb dog. I hate that look. I've seen it. And I give you permission. You don't have permission. You can't keep yourself alive. You can't keep yourself on the planet. You can't heal yourself when you get a disease. You cannot do enough to stand up there and tell somebody that you, you authorize a woman to obey her God. Who are you? You are butt flesh. You did before she was your wife. She was God's property and she was God's chosen. We are chosen before the foundation of the world. So God allowed you to share her choice and share her status. You are like, she ought to be putting her hand over you, talking about, I'm going to accept you. You realize that when people become kings and queens, they're, they're, others don't stand up there and say, I give you permission. But see, that's local church, culture crafted dogma. It is not in scripture. I keep telling folks it's not in scripture. And I'm going to keep telling them. And you know why? Because we are killing this man's kingdom by stripping down 50% of his workforce. And humiliating him in the midst of it. I'm like, are you kidding? You, and, and so you give her permission. Do you give a prophecy to? Do you give her the signs and wonders too? Because if you're going to get permission, you need to give the whole banana. You give her prophecy. You give her signs and wonders. Do you give her miracles? Do you give her her anointing? Do you alter her anointing? Do you give her spiritual backing? Because if you're going to stand there with that little fake show, you need to be able to come with the entire contingent and compliment of what she needs to do that ministry. And if not, then you are a spouse. Stay in your place. Go join Lapidos on the side of the road. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> because you didn't equip your wife for ministry. And if you didn't equip her, then you can't authorize her. And you can't deauthorize her because you are not involved. You are her physical companion. 
and you are there in the house. And unless God calls you to as a pair, and even if he calls you as a pair, it is not your job to decide whether or not she's authorized. A lot of y'all marriages die because you let your marriage become idols on God's altar, and God's like, no, I'm not blessing that. A lot of you all women, you didn't fulfill your ministry. You didn't see the fulfillment of your ministry because you already started out the gate telling God he has dropped from point place one to place two. You did that. A lot of your ministries, that's why you're sitting home now talking about what you would have, could have, should have been. And you sit around it, and then not long after that ministry died, that man left. And you know why? Because God kills idols. He slaughters them. We threw them in the, remember, they threw them in the, in the temple with Dagon. God just started cutting up, slapping, cutting off heads and carrying on. God literally comes against idols. Some of you all don't know that you're putting your spouses in positions of vulnerability and jeopardy because you have your priorities confused. You've inverted your priorities. That's why your ministry died. Well, I was just trying to stop, trying to obey my husband. Your husband, your first husband was Jesus Christ. This here is a subordinate husband. He does not hold Christ's reign. And the same applies to women, men and women. You're going to be, you know, you're the wife, and you're going to put your husband through all of that, and then you end up with your husband sick, got a disease, and tearing on, and talking. I don't know why God won't answer me. God's like, are you kidding? You've ignored me all of these years. You've let me know I don't matter. You've let me know that what I need done is not going to happen, and that I'm getting nothing out of my call to on you for ministry. I get nothing out of your marriage. You realize that how many of you all, y'all so romantic and so following those, the, the spirit of divination, romantic? And divination that you can't even do God's job. And the more you play that romantic game, the less interested you are in handling Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, you know, we got to do this and that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Let me tell you something God is a just God. You can take 15 vacations a year, it will never rest you. And it will never rest you because God has arrested your rewards. And He's not going to do it. So you can pay till you cash out, till you broke. And then when you get broke and you get old and you've got nothing else, then God is going to let that enemy come in and wreak havoc in your church and wreak havoc in your people's lives. And you know why? Because God's like, if I'm getting nothing out of it, I don't have to keep it. We have misled you into thinking that God doesn't want to get anything out of our life but some songs of praise and some prayers and some petitions and some begging. Otherwise, we are sovereign and we command him to do what we want. And God is like, well, you can play those things because those are physical antics. But in the end, you end up with nothing. Why are you all frustrated? Why are you hurting? Why are you lonely? What happened to the thousands and hundreds of thousands and the millions you put? It died on the altar of the culture-crafted church because God didn't get anything out of it, even though humanity, even though people did. Human leaders got it. They took your thing, and they, they took your harvest and couldn't give you a reward. So anyway, so Deborah, she dwelt, and then it said, verse six, she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinon, of, oh yeah, Okedesh Naphtali, and said unto him, hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali in the land of Zebulun. She's a prophet. So she calls him, and she knows as a prophet, because when you are a prophet in a high seat, you know high seat business. You, because one synonym for the prophet is spy, S-B, spy. 
So these prophets, you're not seeing the future. You're not seeing what's coming down in government. You're not seeing any of those things. It's because you're not in that realm. But when you're in that realm, just like when you're in an office or when you're in the presidential office or suite of your company, all of that hidden and, and concealed information becomes public to you. And so she knows, having she's representing the God of Israel, she knows what God told him. And God said, go tell Barak, I want him to go do this, because I want to start bringing my people back. Now, here's where the modern Christian is going, the, the modern culture craft of Christian. Well, you know, God, God is a God of love and peace and not war. Peace is the result of war being won. Peace is not the natural. It is not the natural norm of the world. Peace is an imposed blessing or benefit. It's imposed. Peace is always imposed. Peace is always restored because peace is always under attack. So in order for God to do what he's about to do for his church, it's going to get ugly, and peace will be gone. And you need to know that peace will not come until you assemble an army. Because, see, this is a story here for the church. Assemble an army and go and begin to move the adversary out of my place, says the Holy Ghost. Move him out. So this here silent, sweet Christian, you know, that little, we were talking about this yesterday. I was like, we watched this little stupid video and talk about Christians don't do that, Christians don't do this. Let me tell you something about Christians. The real Christians are really ruthless people. Remember, we come from the Lion of Judah, not just the Lamb of God. What they have dealt with is there has been the suppressed Christians who have been bought out of their faith and their trust in God. You've got crossover Christians. You've got flip-back Christians. You've got bend-over Christians. You've got all kinds of Christians that you think are weak because Satan is manipulating them. There is a host of Christians that won't bow. What did God say to Israel? We got the bail, bail, listen to us. We got the bail 7,000 times the 10th power. There are Christians you have not met. But, but let me remind you, Satan, I'm going to be the one to remind you personally. When Jesus Christ dethroned principalities and powers, he took your whole planet from you. You tried to offer it to him as a bribe. He said, let me die and I'll win it. And when he died and rose from the dead, he took your planet. And in under two thousand years, he took a polytheistic planet and made it monotheistic. He's done it before. He'll do it again. So he did that with one nation and 12 apostles. One nation, little nation, not even the big one, little one, no team. Twelve apostles. And made his faith a world power. What do you think the occult is fighting for? They're fighting for the day before Jesus was arrested. Because from the if he had the Bible said if he had known what would come out of that arrest, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He forgot how good Jesus is at being God. And the Lord reminded him. He had no idea what it was. He thought God just came to the planet in the form of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. Some of you all think the same thing. He thought he came just to bring a new message. He told him, he said, my word's not new. My word's the same word we always been saying. Go back to in the beginning, God. You'll find it the same word. 
And even Enoch prophesied that the Lord is coming with tens of thousands of his saints. Now understand, the Lord is coming with tens of thousands of his saints. Anybody here with that is saints. It is not talking about Christians. It is not talking about mortals. It's talking about tens of thousands of his citizens to take over his planet. Top of Mount Sinai, tens of thousands of his saints. Not the ones that are on, because his, uh, his mortal saints are on the ground. So I'm like, well, we no longer in Egypt. What's the zip code? We don't know. I mean, where do we send our mail? You all have got to stop listening to devil bluff. Because that's all he's doing is bluffing. Because Jesus Christ owns this. And he's owned it from before this world was, before the earth was. He owns this. And if he's in you, you own this. You're not renting it. You're not leasing it. I don't care how much they tell you the future is there. They're lessee. And when the homeowner comes and issues the eviction, they're out. He owns this. And y'all need to stop saying what devil said. You need to stop saying the church is going down. It is not going down. It's found, his founder vowed that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's a vow. That's not a human vow. That's not a mortal vow. That's the vow of a man who came from another planet, another realm, because it's more than a planet, another realm from being sovereign in that realm, came to earth incognito to let the devil know your lease is up, your time is up, you got to go, and by the way, I'm stepping in your seed. I'm stepping in Adam's seed. I'm kicking your seed out of Adam, and I'm stepping in, and I'm taking over, and I'm taking over. The Bible says that we will reign with them on the earth. And you know what? We like to say Jesus reigns now, and then we forget that it said we will reign with him. You're waiting to die in the reign? Come on here, baby. You need to be right now ready to be a king and priest unto the almighty God. We own this. We are, we are members of the highest priesthood and the only eternal priesthood in creation. There is no other priesthood beyond Melchizedek, not one. All of the rest of them are mortal and clay. We own this. My job is to keep giving you your identity because as long as you, if I keep feeding your identity, you will chase your destiny because you're going to want to be these great things I'm talking about. You're going to want to wield that kind of power. You're going to want to make things happen. You're going to want to rise to the top instead of lay down as a rug of the bottom. You are going to want to be this. As surely as Jesus Christ is in me and he is moving in me, I promise you by the Holy Ghost, not a witch, not a warlock, not a sorcerer, not a devil, not a spirit, not a demon. Not one of them is greater than one Christian. Not one. Not one. And God's got Christians that are superb and superior in this planet. And I say to you today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the God of heaven, I say to you, they're coming forth. And when you meet them, I promise you, devils will bow like they bow to Jesus. I promise you that by the word of the Lord. Dr. Price, how can you make that promise? Because it is the word of the Lord. It's in the books. When devils met Jesus, they started cutting up. They started crying and howling. They started acting up. One, one, Jesus, one. The man got literally millions of Jesus now, hundreds of millions of Jesuses now, who don't know who they are. But I'm cracking the seal on you guys today. I'm breaking the lock. I'm opening the vault. 
I'm shaking you loose. I'm causing the light to come forth of the glorious light of Jesus Christ. I'm causing the one who abolished death and brought immortality to light to shine through you. I'm taking off your 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 abduction hood. Because some of y'all wearing that little black hood of abduction. You've been kidnapped. You don't even know it. Well, I'm taking that off of you. I'm pulling them scales off your eyes today in the name of Jesus. I'm unplugging your ears today. I am causing you to hear with new ears. I'm causing you to understand with the heart of Christ. I'm taking all of the muck and murk and mire out of your soul so that you can be a pure vessel unto the Lord. And I'm going after that brain, that organic brain that Satan has damaged and, and, and fractured. I command every neuron to find its way. I command those synapses to fire for the Holy Ghost. I command every one of your chemicals to be balanced by the Holy Ghost. I come against dark spots uh, and I breathe the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in every dark spot in your brain. I command those addictive devils to die and pass through your body as waste in Jesus' name. I command this thing to come. I'm summoning the army of the almighty God. I'm calling forth the true Christians. I'm calling forth apostolic Christians. I'm calling forth prophetic Christians. I'm calling for evangelical Christians. I'm calling for pastoral Christians. I'm calling for teaching Christians. I'm calling for the righteous of God. Hear me. I send my voice out on the winds of the Holy Ghost. I send you out and I send you out on the amplifications of God. I speak to the powers of the air. I speak to the powers of the earth. I say mobilized by the Holy Ghost. Christians, I take off your grave cloth. Christians, I take off your fear cloth. Christians, I put on the home armor of God. I shake you loose. I cause timber to hit your devils. I cause them to fall off like skin tags. They will not track you any longer. I breathe by the Holy Ghost, a breath of life. We resurrect Christianity. I call it from the heavens. I call it from the earth. I speak to the team of God that's assigned to me and say, go forth. Let's resurrect this thing. Let's cause Christians to Done. Don't tell me we're dead. We're long from dead. And you will, from this day forward, see we are very much alive. And we are very much capable. And we're still the pride of the line of Jesus. We're still that. We're not taking that. We're not going back under. We're not doing it. I promise you, some of you all, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to feel the glory of God. You're going to find yourself caught up in the glory of God. Your prayers will not be the same. Your messages will not be the same. Your prophecies will stop prophesying divination from devils. You're going to be like Balaam who said, hey, Balaam, whose eyes are now open, who sees the vision of the Almighty. Just because you see a vision doesn't mean it's the Almighty, but you're going to know the difference between your Balaam visions and the visions of the Almighty. I'm telling you, what happens after our tenure is is something else. But right now, for the foreseeable and unforeseeable future, we're in charge, and we're taking over, and we're taking back with ours, and we're doing it with powers that have not touched the earth since the beginning of the church. We're doing this thing, and it's going to be amazing. Trust me on this work. Trust me on this here work. And anybody who knows who's got the Holy Ghost in you right now, you're about ready to pass out because the Lord is breathing power. He's breathing. We've talked so much about God shaking the heavens and the earth and all of the destructions. We forgot that God has those who are exempt from destruction. I have an exemption. 
I ain't going to be destroyed. My classification is very high. And I'm not going out like that, and neither are you. I don't care what he says. You're going to have to learn to bring your body under and stop going over the doctors taking their little pharmacy of medicine. You have to learn to bring your soul under. You have to learn the power that worketh in you. Up here, show me. Help me, God. Stop being cowardly, and you're going to stop being compromising. And you're going to do it not because I'm saying it. I'm decreeing it so that the powers of God at work in your soul, in your realm of life, will begin to erase those things from your consciousness and from your mind. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the whole, as long as the Holy Ghost is in the planet, Christianity is alive and well. Just because we have drop-offs and fallouts and apostates and sellouts doesn't mean Christy, the faith is gone. The faith of Christ is here as long as there's a Holy Spirit. That's something they don't count on. See, it's the Holy Ghost that started this thing. Pentecost started this. And as long as the Holy Ghost is having children and the Holy Spirit has no limitations, as long as he is reproducing people of God according to John 1, 12, and 13, as long as he's doing that, hear me, people, because, you know, you wonder, without the fight, how can you say that when it looks bad? It looks bad because you let it do that. You let somebody else come in and redecorate your house. You let somebody else come in and paint your house. You let somebody come in and move your furniture, replace your furniture. You let it happen. It is not bad because Christianity is in trouble. It is not bad because of Jesus Christ somehow or another being weak. It is bad because Christians forgot their destiny, and they forgot the power that worketh in them, and they forgot that we are kings and priests unto God, and that we reign. Just like when I worked, I decreed I'd be a good employee. I decreed I'd be a good worker. I decreed I'd be a good preacher, a good pastor, and a good teacher. I decree superior Christianity. I decree it on my life and on the life of those I touch. I decree we are the top of the top. We walk around talking about Abraham's blessings are ours. Are you kidding? Abraham had to be pulled out of hell. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus' blessings are mine. Jesus, the Christ. Yes, I am. I told him I'm going to talk about you all day long. Yes, I, I Look at my face. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to strut this man up the front. I'm going to strut him down the back. We're going to do great exploits together. And you know why? Because he's the best of the best. They don't get any better than you. I decree I'm going to be a good Christian. I decreed it. I declared it. I determined it. I decided it. I resolved it. And then I pursued it. And I pursued it. And I produced it. And I will continue to pursue it and produce my decrees. I will not let that word out of my mouth fall to the ground unfulfilled. I prophesied it when I didn't know anything. I prophesied it. When I used to slip and don't know what happened, God, I don't know what happened, I just prophesied. And you know why? how I learned that? Because when God calls you back to the fold, he prophesied. He prophesies what he did. He prophesies what, what you slipped off of. He begins to revive those words. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. I can't even help it. Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. And you know what? I like being excited for him. I'm not too cool for Jesus. I'm not too cool for the Holy Ghost. I'm going to act. Yes, I am. You're talking about people walking around doing some of the vile things they do for their God, and I can't be excited about Jesus. The devil is a liar. I'm telling you, I decreed, and I will always decree. I tell him in 3 o'clock in the morning, he's going to hear the same decree. And if you know him and you ask him, he's going to tell you. I decreed it. 
3 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you, oh, honey, you just come on. You release me. You trust me. I'm going to do this for you, Holy Ghost. I promise you, God, I'm going to do this. We have all of these years talking about good morning, Holy Spirit. We ain't going no farther than good morning. I want you to understand. I'm going to say good victory, Holy Spirit. Come on. Let's go. I wake up in the morning and say, come on, sweetheart. What are we going to do today? What are we going to make happen today? He, you talk about he's your personal savior and you have no personal relationship with him? That is crazy. And you don't define that relationship because he's God. Hallelujah. I just know that some of you all needed to hear this today because you're like, I want to do right, but I don't know how to. You have to stop wanting to do right and begin decreeing. Righteousness is your inheritance. Righteousness is your conduct. Righteousness is your consciousness. Righteousness is your behavior. Righteousness is your reward. You decree that. You don't wait, let somebody else happen. This is not a happenstance fate. Well, whatever comes, comes. This is not fate. Christianity is not a fatal or fateful fate. It is a deliberate, conscious fate where, where the almighty God distributes strength to his people to become just like him in this realm. This is good stuff, folks. I don't want that. Why, how do you know? Because I did not ask God for a faulty, flawed Christianity. I didn't ask him for a faulty, flawed salvation. I did not ask God for a commonplace, vulgar relationship with him, vulgar worship, vulgar communion, vulgar fellowship. I don't go with vulgarity because I know that that is what God cursed. And if I'm living in that, then I'm living under his curse. And you can talk all day long about the curse being destroyed. If you're wearing it, you're under it. If you're talking it, you're under it. If you're teaching it, you're under it. You're still under the curse of the law because you are still celebrating and attempting to Christianize what God has banished from himself and banned from his church. And you let some devil talk about, yeah, well, you know, y'all, all that. How, how do you like to tease us? Well, you know, everything is taboo. No, no. It, let me tell you something. We don't have taboos. We have superior humanity. We are the peak and the top of humanity. And whatever the enemy calls a taboo, those are fallen gods. They need taboos because they got to fight for their word to matter. They got to negotiate with the other deities to find out who is going to take over what. We don't have that. We have the man, Christ Jesus. We are not, we are not detached worshipers. We're not even detached proselytes, followers. We are not detached. We are engrafted. We are engrafted in our God. We don't have to build a statue. People build a statue because they don't understand that they're engrafted in God, and that you don't know God by, by brick and mortar and plaster. You show God off by being different and better. Every time you do different and better, you show God off. I am good at this, and I'm going to keep saying it because ain't no devil going to make me tell any other thing. I am good at this. I'm so good at being a Christian. Jesus is my honey man. He knows he's my sugar. But you know what else he knows? He knows he can count on me because I'm his woman. He can count on me. Can he count on you? Or does he have to wade through your family and wade through your job and wade through your money and all of that? He can count on me. I want him to count on me. I want him to rely on me. I need him to do that. Do you? You think you know what being a Christian is. You know about being a churchian, but you don't know about being a Christian. He can count on me. 
I don't care if it's tears running down my face. He can count on me. I don't care if I got to sit there and talk about God. I need some pain, uh, whatever. He can count on me. I decreed that I was going to be reliable for him. I decreed it. I cried my tears. I sniffed my snot. I did all of that. And you know what? I understood all of that was my flesh and my former deities having a problem with my fidelity to Jesus Christ. He's a honey, and he's my honey. And he's going to be my honey forever. And anything he wants done, we're going to do. I don't care. I don't judge Jesus. You know why? Because I don't know enough to know why he's doing stuff. I don't have a 360 on creation. I don't judge him. I don't criticize Jesus. He likes that. Some of you, your praise is criticism. You know, God, I could praise you more if. I would have praised you louder, bud. I don't, he doesn't have that with me. I decreed that. I, and, and I decreed it when I realized what he responded to and what he didn't. I said, oh, you like that? Then we're going to keep that. Oh, you don't like that? We release that. One deep religious thing coming up to the altar, shaking and trembling, so everybody think God is touching you. It was between he and I in our prayer closet, in our secret meetings, in our private time. You don't like this? Uh, okay, then it goes. If you ask my people, ask my sheep. This is not, I know sometimes, uh, go ahead, right prophet asked. Right sheep prophet. Right prophet did. They'll tell you. I, this is not a game for me because I was blessed enough to breach the barrier between this world and his to know that it's all real and it's all worth it. And I'm telling you, I don't care what he wants. I'm telling you, I don't care what he wants. Samuel was like that. And gave God what he wants. Everybody that God celebrates in his book learns the secret to success with him. Give him what he wants and don't make him fail. Prophet Ashley. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> I'm sure Prophet D will be joining us shortly. He's my honey. I just need to stand up. Stand for a bit, baby. Go ahead. Oh. Stand. Can God count on you? Oh, can he rely on you? Can he lean on you? It is. I just go back to my word. In a deeper way. <laughs> and it astounds me at how we have completely, we have created another Christianity. Oh, yeah. Because over and over and over again in Scripture, you <laughs> these truths are in there. Plain English. Plain English. All right. You got stuff, girl. Look at you. That's last week. This week. I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at the end of a book almost. Oh, you got to get another journal. I know. Well, I appreciate you going through the judges, Deborah, woman in ministry, truth. I can't say woman, well, ministry, ministry in the governmental ministry because mm-hmm. that was ministry. And we, we always hear ministry and think church. Yeah, but it was government. Uh-huh. And um, how we do disconnect, you have to be authorized to take a nation to war. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's what? It's just a riot on the street. A, a I mean, somebody who's trying to start a war with no kind of authority, you just start to fight. Yes. There's a whole lot of people. And how she had the authority, so she had the authority to go to war. She had to be seated in the highest seat of government. Exactly. In order to do that. To summon the army. Um, yeah. And for them to actually come from. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look. Fireball. <laughs> it's real. Fireball. <laughs> my garments were on fire. <laughs> 
is going to be a whole lot of, that's not in the Bible? No. If this is what the Bible says? This is what Jesus said? Especially when we get into our whole Old Testament, New Testament, nitpicky mess. You're ready. She's ready. I just love thinking about, I told you, I love giving him back what he wants. He wants his church. That's my job. He wants his world. Mm -hmm. That's my job. He wants his inheritance. That's my job. And before I get my inheritance, he needs his. Because, see, my inheritance comes out of it. How about that? Right. Hey, you don't want your parents to go broke. Okay. If you are an heir. Exactly. You'll keep mommy and daddy. They're dead. Yeah. And so, I mean, the best part I would like them to get, you know, most of this stuff is crafted for your local church and your local assembly. Mm -hmm. And listen, when you go to people's houses, they have every right to tell you how they want you to behave in their homes. Mm However, however, they have no right to unscript the constitution of the state. You take care of this in your home. You have nowhere to impose it outside of your home. We've got 1,500 churches. We've got 5 million churches, and all of them have their pet laws and pet peeves. What is that going to do but confuse the body and fracture the ecclesia? you recommend that somebody begins to separate and identify what's church doctrine and dogma versus scripture and and especially since you taught us you really do read the word based on how you were taught it Mm -hmm. so how do you begin to go back and say because they'll go back and read it and see exactly what they heard written well i tell them my first step would be to go back and read it but also Listen to it aloud. There are things that your ear picks up that your eyes will miss mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So you need to read, the, hear the word, get those dramatized versions. You know, sometimes I listen to them, but other times I read the Bible aloud yeah. because I'll read it aloud and I'm just running through because I know the scripture and yes. my ears will say, oh, yeah. so what does that mean? So your brain is registering different information from your ear then it is registering from your or your eyes. You know, Jesus said that we have to pray that people have an ear to hear. He didn't talk a whole lot about reading because he was in a a largely illiterate society. But he did talk about hearing and listening. Because most people, information classes were all verbal. You know, we didn't have papers, printing presses, and things like that. We didn't have that. We had the parchments, and the highly educated were had the, had the scrolls. They they went to school. They were taught. They had mentors, etc. But when they passed that knowledge on, they passed it on verbally. Now, understanding that, then when you start listening to what Jesus says, having an ear to hear, mm-hmm. you have to recognize that there's a priming that has to happen. These people. God had to go through layers after layers after layers to get to create a channel for his own sound, for his own. That's why he said, well, why are you seeking to kill me? Is it because you cannot hear my speech? Is it because you can't understand my speech? See, when you take this thing out of this this poetic Mm -hmm. context and you put it into a literal technicality, literal technology, you understand all science. You understand that God has to create a channel in your brain for him 
to be understood and a channel to give him his word, a pathway to his place, his revelation in your brain. That's the essence of the new creation. New creation is not just about you running around singing songs and going to church and giving money and doing your ministry and sharing your testimony. Those are all all byproducts. And we have made the byproduct the product. And we need to go back now and fix that. So when I started reading the Bible, as a matter of fact, one day I remember I must have been maybe saved a year, and God said, I want you to walk your floor, and I want you to read your Bible aloud. Mm-hmm. And I did. And as I did, all of a sudden things started breaking off of me, just falling, you know, and my ear began to open. When he said open your ear, what do you think he's talking about? He's not talking about some sort of metaphysical, allegorical, aesthetic thing. He's saying I've got to literally, as your creator, as the maker, open your ear, create a channel, an audio channel for my voice. And it's not just a matter of the channel, the, the going in, and then create a pathway and a termination point in your brain my word to have place in you. We've told you it's so much about it having place in your spirit and having place in your heart. We never took you to the finishing of the product, which is God opening your ears or opening your understanding. Scientists today would explain that very differently than, than sermonizers have and theologians have over the years. Okay. You know I'm not for that. All the way. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. What did your mistakes beget? You like that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really like that fear forgetfulness piece. It's just in the fear forgetfulness. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what you do, but <clears throat> that accountability. But what did you bring into existence mm-hmm. with these disobediences, these offenses, these mistakes, and what are the consequences? You know, I kind of like in that Ashley, like the woman is pregnant and she doesn't know how it happened. Yeah. See, that's a mistake that forgot something. <laughs> I don't, I don't God know. forgave you. You that. don't know? <laughs> no. You weren't there? No. I don't know how it happened. Okay. But see, God, <laughs> for, and, and God forgave the mistake. Right. But the fruit. Yeah. It's still in motion. You got to do something with your fruit. So... <laughs> what do you do with this fruit? I mean, depending on, I guess, what it is, the fruit of... Well, if it's a child, you raise it. Right. If it's a, a uh, deformity, you accommodate it. Mm. You can't fix it. You accommodate it, you know? If it's a relationship, you attempt to repair it, mm-hmm. aware of the fact that it won't, it may not repair yeah. If it's an opportunity, you hope that it comes around again, but you resolve the fact that you, you, you through poor judgment, let something potentially wonderful slip through your fingers. Okay, so this is good. Can you please explain to the viewers the Not difference? Not no, because we've heard this Yes, I, I am asking <laughs> The difference between second chances, because you're telling us yeah. one, and fresh starts. Are there second chances? Well, first of all, I'm going to go out and say there's no such thing in God as a chance. Okay. 
She didn't say that the last time she got on it. I thought no. I left with you just because yeah. I wanted you to know you still need me. <laughs> <laughs> the God was questioning that. <laughs> God has nothing called chance. Chance shows up in Scripture in, in Proverbs, but it also shows up most notably in uh, Ecclesiastes when it says time and chance happen to all. Chance, in other words, Solomon's high perch in God was gone, and he no longer had the, the visual, uh, um, the view of what God was doing. He could no longer see God's horizon hmm. because God shut off his light. So now he's relegated to the mere mortal stage where he's a subject and victim of chance. The unknowable, the inexplicable, the I don't know how it happens, accidents, incidents. In God, in Jesus Christ, there is no such thing as an accident. There's no such thing as an incident. There's no such thing as a chance. And these things are not always uh, in the moment or spontaneously designed uh, or created, even though they may emerge or erupt in a moment of time. These things are built into the entire fabric of creation all the way till it trickles down to your DNA and your genetic makeup. Your impulses, etc., are all lending themselves to chance because you lack, you lack divine knowledge and divine information. So let's start with that particular fact. There is no such thing in God as a first chance. So why are we talking the second chance? Mm-hmm. That's a humanist doctrine. Ah, wait. I think I hear a cow chipping. Which one did you want? Did you want this guy over here? Yeah. Okay, there you go. You have to get your own, you know. <laughs> I have these. <laughs> but, and so, if there's no such thing as chance, then there is no such thing as second chance. So the God of the second chance is another God a God who's been shut out of divine intelligence. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh, my, my, my. Wait a minute. I think my mind is locked in. <laughs> so God doesn't have to give you a second chance because he never gave you the first chance that you call a chance. God has a calling. God has an appointment. God has a summons. God has a, 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 what do you call it, a delegation. God has a task. He has duties and he has responsibilities. He has no chances because he's not in the dark about what he's doing. Chances imply that you are in the dark about what is happening. So your brain is disconnected from the events or from its logic or purposes because your mind, which is moved by your soul, and God gets information through and through your soul, your mind has it, but your brain does not know what to do with it. So God has no, that's why God talks about obedience, because God has commands. And he said, you know, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Your disobedience. He said, behold, it is better to obey than sacrifice. And we're like, well, what does that mean? God means it's, it's better for you to obey what he said than to sweet talk him with, 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 what do you call it, religious rituals. See, you want to sweet talk God. You want to bribe him and pay him off, hmm. get him off your back. So now, let's go back to your question, if it's still a question. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so God has commandments. God has instructions. 
you know, he has prophecies. He has decrees, declarations. He has all these things, but not one of them a chance. Every single one of them are conscious, deliberate expressions or dispatches of his will. Hmm. So if you blow your first chance, it doesn't matter. It wasn't really a chance. It wasn't God. Because when you're dealing with a king, you're always ministering. So God sent you on a ministerial assignment, or he assigned you to a task to do for him. You decided, I don't like that task. And so all of the blessings attached to it, you don't get because you didn't like the task. So when we talk about, that's why I never liked that doctrine. God was the second chance. Are you kidding? So God, what would he just threw this out and see what you're going to do with it? He already knows what you're going to do with it. Where'd that come from? No, God has trial and error. He'll have you do things for trial and error purposes. So that you may know. He said that man may know. Everything that God does in this world, he does it so that we may know what he has known. Because as long as it's known in God's world, it doesn't benefit us at all. So then what, what does it become when we find ourselves having to start over or start again? It, it, it becomes just that. New start. You know, think about it. Every time Israel messed up with God, what did he do? He took them back to the beginning. Restart. So restart, reset, that's fine. And even those are granted. They're not assumed. You don't assume that God's going to give you a restart because he doesn't have to. That's why there are some things that are once in a lifetime opportunity. He said to me once, um, this is going back, I don't know, maybe several years and I was just, God, I've been waiting a long time. I'm writing, I'm digging out, I'm doing this. And I'm having, I mean, I'm just in it. I'm having the why in my hand, go out and play. You know, so I'm having this moment. And the Holy Spirit said to me, <clears throat> he said, Paula, some things only come around once in your lifetime because they are so all-consuming, they will remove everything else out of its place. Oh, wow. I said, so... I'm working for a lifetime opportunity. He said, you're working to be my answer and solution, and I need your products to make this happen. Some of you all, God told you to write a book, told you to write a manual. Some of you all, he told you to go to school. I'm talking to a woman right now. God told you to go to beauty school. You won't go because it's all devilish and carrying on. You don't realize that God needs to have an oasis for the women and the people in this family who need a clean spot, who don't want to go to Satan to get the hair did, who don't want to go to yoga to get the hair done and nails done, who don't want to go to, uh, you know, a pagan deity just to, be, just to be groomed and just to be, you know, for cosmetics. There are people who do that. God told you to go to beauty school, go. Wow. Don't and go and don't be converted. Be educated. Just don't be converted. Because see, God has to have a refuge. God is always building Goshen in everywhere. And you all may be the you may be the people, the service providers in God's Goshen of tomorrow. Told you to go. There's someone else God told you to go. Two people. One is uh orthopedic Doctor, and the other one is a podiatrist. You haven't gone, and you're waiting, and now you're told God, well, God is too old, blah, blah, blah. Forget that. Make it happen. Go and do it. You know, because God is coming up with Goshen providers, people who are going to take care of those who are fleeing from the wrath of God, but also from the wreckage and recklessness of Satan's control. You need to recognize that. Go and, and learn. Learn their stuff. It's all right to learn their stuff. It started with God. They got it from Jesus. They got it from your God. So it's really okay. You know, Paul said all things are yours. 
All of it is the churches. The church advocated. The church relinquished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If God told you to go to school, go. God told you to buy a house. There's someone else that else told you to get a real estate license. And I see a string of houses that God is trying to get you to be legally able to sell. But I see it. And he's telling you, I see another one. You're an artist. Oh, yeah, God's not interested in that. Yes, he is. God is interested in his beauty being captured and immortalized. When devastation comes, we have pictures to remember how things work. Pictures point you back to life. Hallelujah. And I just want you to understand, God has plans for you. I'm looking at someone else, and God is getting ready to change your shoes. And they are not attractive shoes. And you keep finding yourself avoiding unattractive shoes. You are a man. And God said, but I'm changing your shoes because I'm changing your walk in life. I'm talking about a young minister right now, and I see you in Africa. You have a wonderful church, and you have just so excited to just share Jesus. But God said, I'm getting ready to breathe over your church. He said, I'm taking you out of the field because you meet in the field. He said, but I'm going to cause a connection to happen for you that will put you in a building and give you credibility. You are a young African man. You are about, let me just talk about who you are. You are right now. You have, your, of course, your hair's cut very close. You have very deep, provide, um, profound eyes. They look like dog eyes. They're very round. You have a beautiful smile. Your smile is amazing. You have great teeth. But you have large ears. You are about five, 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 six. And I'm looking at you, and you are faithful in this thing. You love Jesus Christ. And God said, because of your prayers and your dedication to him, he said, I'm going to move your church from being a village gathering to a full-fledged ministry in the house of the Lord God Almighty. So get ready and start having your intercessors pray because God is moving. And let me just tell you right now, while I'm on, and on Africa, I'm saying to you, Africa, you think you've had a revival. Africa, you think you've had a breakthrough. Africa, you think you have moved. I'm telling you that the, the planet, the continents are switching, and you're going to be in a different place. And God said you're going to be, once again, a wealth builder and a wealth generator. And yes, I'm dealing with those false deals and those false deeds that have been keeping you out of your inheritance. God said, I'm coming through the land, and I'm cursing those false deeds, and you all are going to get your rightful inheritance, and the land shall be yours again, says the Holy Ghost. Oh! Let it be so. Is that what you want? I'm telling you, God is getting ready to shift the planet. Mm. Continents will be changed out of their place. Oh, because God is shifting the spiritual authority. And he said, I'm, I'm literally vacating devil leases. Those pieces yeah, were not of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. He said, I'm vacating them. And since I know King Supreme is in the planet, you know, King Supreme, we, 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 we're one. This is a done deal. Mm. So, anyway, to wrap up your question, <laughs> <laughs> there is no such thing as chance in God. Chance meetings of our human terms that literally reflect the darkness that's in humanity, that's born in humanity. Mm. Not knowing that there is a speeding car coming around the corner is an accident to us. It's an incident to God. 
He started happening. And he knew. As a matter of fact, when he tells you go left and you go right because you're going to be late, you're going to have an accident. <laughs> he tells you don't go to your friend's house and you're like, that's my friend. Or don't go to the birthday party. That's not that. They're coming up on days where the people who are infilled by the Holy Spirit are going to have to listen. Mm. You're going to have to start. And your channel will not open unless you are in this wisdom. The word of God printed becomes life when it's heard. Mm. And it is that life that opens your channel to God. Just because you can audibly hear doesn't mean your brain has a place to do anything with it, which is why so many people are like, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I, mm. They do that because they have no channel. They, their God channel is off. If it's never been created, if they've kind of messed up with them, he'll cut your channel. Mm -hmm. And he'll cut your sight so that you will never hear anything beneath what is said. Because God's channel takes you beneath the sound to the message. And if you're still just reading scripture and it's just like, yeah, but in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. If that's where you are, wonderful. Step, you know, we'll build on that. But if you want interaction, God will only give you a channel if he thinks that it's going to be interactive. Unless, of course, you're going to be a voice for him. If you're going to be a voice for him, he'll give you a channel. They don't have a channel. He just didn't have God. Well. And he had to open up the donkey channel. Yeah, the, <laughs> it took the donkey to, 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 to not you know, because everything else, and, and, and it took the donkey to say, "There's an angel, boy, well, stupid." We, get you, we both get ready to die. Don't you see that angel standing there? Boy, open your eyes. Do you not see that angel standing there? Oh, God! That donkey said, "I'll break your leg, your ankle, your head," but I'm not dying with that angel. by the possibility and the opportunity right. for money Woo. and greed oh he couldn't even see. When greed is your God, then you never see the Lord Jesus Christ. You never see Christ and his Father. If, if greed is your God, it is also your, your shield. It is also your wall. It's your blinder. You are blinded. When it said Balaam was blinded by greed and couldn't see the angel, which means you never see the other world. Anyway, mm. did you have something? I'm writing this. Okay. <laughs> did you need to remember? Yes. Okay. Yes. Which are you here? Are you writing too? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're all writing out there too. We know it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Oh, there's more. Well, wait, there's more. Oh, well, you talked about war. Peace is the result of a war being won. Mm-hmm. A lot of people we quoted those statements. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to assemble an army for peace. Mm-hmm. And that's where I believe we are right now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your messages, these messages, um, assembling a war, ma- amassing the people, the soldiers, the warriors, mm-hmm. the ones who have been waiting, the ones who never bought in like you talked mm-hmm. about, and the ones who just needed a leader. I mean, people need a leader. They do. Yeah. Well, what did y'all say, Paula? I made the majority of humanity to follow, mm-hmm. which is why... I made leaders, so they would be guided along the way. Because everything, because it's teaching us how to follow God in his realm. And if you don't follow 
leaders here. You will be a wrecking ball in God's world, and that's provided you let you in, because, well, we all know he's not bringing in wrecking balls. (laughs) There's another place for them. Yes, where they can wreck all you want. All you want. That says uh, Christianity is not a faithful faith, and we really do have a faithful outlook and (laughs) doctrine and like, well, we just talked about chances. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We just talked about chances. And how that's so... you you well, no, I just knew what you had said before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Somebody who's always swimming in the deep end of God like you, no, no. It's no. never going to be the same way twice. Um, but how we do have faithful thinking, and we really have made redefine faith as faith. Mm-hmm. We have, just have just have faith. That's really what we Amen. should just, say. And that's, see, because that's the universalism. <laughs> that's the Buddhism. That's the Hinduism. <laughs> because faith is active, not passive. Mm-hmm. When you have faith in something, right. you take that, that, that faith becomes your engine, it becomes your fuel and your motivation to make something you want to happen become or be, or manifest. Faith is action. Faith is passive. Well, okay, sirrah, sirrah, what will be, will be, Whatever will be what you're going to do. I mean, after uh, all, you know, don't worry, be happy. Ooh, well, just, just, you know. Let go and let God. <laughs> let go, let God make peace with the universe. Which one? Peace of the universe. I'm dying to get on that, dog. But I'm, any, I'm, anytime I'm anything in nature is unleashed, it always you know, kills us. So I don't understand how these things that we say. Hey, swarm of bees. That's nature. Swarm of bees. Give you the sweetest honey you ever want to get. Don't mess with them because you're going to get, you won't taste the honey. You won't. What, we're sitting here in Tulsa, had a tornado last August. Yes. This building across the street yes. is still boarded up. Mm-hmm. Still looking like it's about to fall on the highway, and then you have the other little restaurant still gone off its little slab. This one over here just started putting up walls to a new building. And what was it, two three seconds? The right. thing was two three seconds. Right. You know, God's a scary God. I'm gonna tell you right now. You can tear up something in two three seconds. I'm done with you because you realize that it's. Let's take that same building. They, they don't know how to take it down because it's right on the highway. It's going to tear up every time. Now, nobody told me this. I can just look at that. And say, oh, yeah. It's right on the highway. It's going to obstruct all of the business around it. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. And the little building next to it is going to be bye-bye. <laughs> okay? Bye-bye. <laughs> and so it's sitting there. It can't be beautified or anything. It can't be restored because of the whatever the yeah. vulnerability is and the damage mm-hmm. are. Uh, 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 and so we're looking at something that took God two seconds to do and now oh. a year to try to figure out. Yes, a year. Okay. Now I'm not smart, but I saw that. I said, yeah, yeah. But you know. It's gonna be an eyesore Because you're gonna have to close down the highway, which is going to obstruct businesses everywhere else. You're gonna have to handle the things behind it and all of that road back. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like you said, just the base, even renovation. You can't even fix it. Because you can't you even claim. You think now, which was here first, the highway or the building? And who thought this was the it's probably the building because the highway looks well yeah, new. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking the highway just plowed on cross. Wow. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, not a faithful. No, faith. I, I, you know, in in this season of my life, just going through a lot of changes and and I, I guess uh, resolutions. Resolutions. 
you know, like this line of thinking never worked for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not going to work. And a lot of this faithful thinking. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got the word, and I'm waiting on God, and you know. And when's he gonna get around to it? I mean, after all, I've been waiting for 15 years. Well, you know, and some of y'all, some of you all have been passive for so long. It's timed out. Your prophecy is expired. Oh, talk about that. Well, we talked about that Sunday. I said because so many people will get a prophecy, and because you've been taught that God is in your control, yeah, and that He is yeah. solely responsible for manifesting every word that he speaks, you have been taught that. You've been brought into that. So when you get a prophecy, you go and say, oh, I got some good mail from God today. I got some good mail from good mail. This is great. Oh, look at this. Hallmark card. Oh, it's got a little piece of promise on the back. Oh, okay. So I got me a good prayer, a good, I mean, good prophecy. So I'm just going to go and pray it through and just wait on God. And you wait. Now, God, on the other hand, is real smart. He didn't just give that to you because he kind of knew you were going to be there, sit by the side of the road, waiting. <laughs> and so you wait. Mm-hmm. And then you pull it out. You have, you, it even, the word has anniversaries. I can't even tell you how many Christians have anniversaries for their prophecies. I got this three years ago. Yeah. I'm waiting on the Lord. You're not still, but I'm holding on. And have done absolutely nothing. Prophecies are not entertainment. Prophecies are not idle chatter. We treat prophecies as mm-hmm. idle chatter. God just wants us to idle chatter. Mm-hmm. Prophecies are commandments. Prophecies are opportunities. Prophecies are breakthroughs. Prophecies are counsel, wisdom, education. Prophecies are tactics and strategies. It is, prophecy is not couch potato material. It's not your favorite television show. It's not the annual games that you like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prophecy comes to provoke. So you have got to get to a place where you stop being passive about prophecy. Again, see, that's that. Culture Crack the Church, Pastor Crack. But if the, if the Lord said it, then he'll do it. If the Lord told you, he'll get it done. You just wait on the Lord. You just stand and haven't done all. You don't do that to get a paycheck. Well, As a matter of fact, when you're, and let me tell you, you want to see a sheep cut up, let a pastor tell them that they can't go get a paycheck. But that's not right. That's not just wait on the paycheck. It'll come in the mail. Just keep checking your email. It'll show up in your email. Just wait. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work. You don't have. You realize that you have been bewitched, my friend. Those are bewitching words that immobilize you so that you never, ever meet the rules of getting harvest in the land. You cannot go and stand on the side of the road and say, that's my harvest. One day I'm going to pick it. Eventually you let it stay there long enough. The animals are going to thank you for it. Uh The thieves are going to thank you for it. The homeless people are going to bless you all day long. But guess what you're going to be? Broke. Harvest must be worked. Some of you all, your harvest has already expired because you waited too long to realize you should have picked it. And you should have collected it. Because the animals don't know what to do with harvest. You know animals? Don't they know what to come on? Oh, yeah. Animals know what to do with harvest. They're going to take you out if you're in the way. Animals know what to do with harvest. Thieves know what to do with harvest. Everybody knows what to do with harvest. 
but the saint who's waiting on the Lord to go and pick it for them. God is not your slave. He is not your servant. He is your sovereign. And as a sovereign, he assists you. He aids you when you are diligent. He said the hand of the diligent, hallelujah, will prosper. So you all don't want to be diligent. You just want to be rewarded. But the the reward is in the picking, in the harvest, in the doing. I hope I'm helping you today because some of you all have said, somebody said, you know what, all you have to do is submit the paperwork. I can tell you how many saints lose an opportunity because you don't want to submit paperwork. I don't know how to do paperwork. I don't know. Well, I asked my mom, no, do the paperwork. Somebody out there, you have a, a, a pack of papers that you need to fill out in order for you to get funds that have been waiting for you. I'm here to tell you your window is closing. Do the paperwork. You don't know how to do it fine for a smart kid. Give him five bucks and let him do it. <laughs> I mean, something uh-huh. as simple as paperwork has cost people their wages, yes. their inheritance, their Social Security, their disability, their unemployment, their, uh, what do you call it, annuity. You just don't want to do paperwork. I'm telling you, hear me, people. And whoever you are, I want you to write me and tell me, that was me, Dr. Price. That was me, Dr. Price. All right. You don't have to write, huh? You don't want to do the paperwork. Okay. Do your, because a lot of your harvest is in your paperwork. Yeah. A lot of ministers, a lot of churches, you don't have money because you don't want to do the paperwork. I don't have time. The print's too small. The language is too complicated. Find somebody. Go to a library. Get a college student and need some money. Well, look at the accreditation process for Price University. Huh. If you, oh, come back. I'm sorry. Okay. Pusa, just please Pusa. <laughs> uh, we'll hold you up. Stop if you got to put your hand on the back on the other side. Gotcha. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> but this process is ridiculous. Yeah. It's not ridiculous. It's necessary, and we understand why. But it's overwhelming. And for what you're doing, which is all of it's creative, <laughs> you can't copy-paste episodic prophetic <laughs> programs <laughs> from other <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I'd bring it back. All right. <laughs> but Ooh. with that, if you were seriously, if you were a person who dodged and feared that kind of stuff, you know, all the years of that discipline for this moment in opportunity, <laughs> praise God, we would we would we would be stalled right here. And we would probably do okay as a school. Mm-hmm. And we could still brag about things that we have that other people don't. But nowhere near what God is going to accomplish with accreditation. You're talking six, seven hundred pages. Yeah. Eight and a half by eleven. They printed these papers for the meeting. And Dr. Prices, Dr. Gale said, is this front and back or single-sided? It's going to be five binders if it's single-sided. Mm-hmm. It's front and back for most of it. And just the volumes and volumes and volumes and painstaking, literally, yeah. hand, is it all right? Is it cramped yeah. up? This one. Painstaking work. Mm-hmm. To, to make sure it's right. But you know what? You have to believe in the harvest mm. and stop oh. putting your faith and your dread in the labor. 
must believe in your harvest because when you believe in your harvest, you do what's necessary. You do the work, and most of the work is paperwork. Some of the, I don't want to go downtown and sit in this. I don't want to go sit with that. I don't, and all of that is your harvest. See, mm-hmm. you've been told the harvest is something that's going to magically fall down from heaven. Mm-hmm. The wind is a heaven in our ocean. The Lord is pouring out on you. God has poured out the harvest in your brain, in your ability, in the opportunities that he has staged for your harvest. You must want to do the work. You may not need to get a truck full of pickers and walk through the, the rows for your crop, but your crop may be paperwork. Hmm. Your crop may be business meetings. I cannot tell you how many ministers hate business meetings because they're all theatrical. You yeah. know, they, they're performers. But you, I don't want to sit down in meetings all day long. Your harvest may be in the meetings. People are shocked at our leadership meetings. Yeah. When they come into them. Yes, they are. It's like, oh, this is business. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. We're not going to sit there. Now, we have a little food. Well, yeah. We have a little joke. We sure. have a little relaxation. But we have hard paperwork, documentation. You'd be surprised how many harvests require documentation, verification. Okay. See, you're looking at your harvest from your Sunday sermon. That Sunday sermon is only to inspire you and to motivate you. Ultimately, you've got to get to work. And that's something that you've been preached out of, the work of ministry, the work of business, the work of entrepreneurship. But it's work. Folk come here and they think we're going to sit down and talk about Jesus all day long. That is not happening. We are, because we are productivity driven. Because your harvest is on your product. Wow. I always do that to you, Yes. But you okay. have so well. Uh, man, okay. <laughs> Go for it. It's all yours. Man, you talked about the fact that we have to separate church dogma from biblical truth. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really important. I think it goes into what you said uh, on the back page about, <laughs> I know, about um, you know, we know, you said the statement, we don't know about being Christians. Mm-hmm. We know about being churchians. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, <laughs> you know, we sit down with here at our mm-hmm. company um, in a month's time that are shocked about biblical truth mm-hmm. because they have lived a life and they've based their relationship with God off of church doctrine. Exactly. So when you unveil that, mm-hmm. which is kind of what happened to me when I first got here and started hearing your teachings, when you start unveiling that, you you start feeling exactly that. I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. doing, exactly. you know, because you have to relearn. You've learned how to be such a good church in um, not knowing Christ. So that was so good. Um, but you think about it. Let's, let's think about that for a moment. You're talking about thinking Christians, being a Christian is based on church doctrine when it's based on apostolic doctrine. Oh, yeah. See, church doctrine is for church in. How to behave in your local church, and you need that. But that's subordinate to what makes you a Christian. So you've learned how to be a good parishioner. And you're really good at being a parishioner in your church, which is why when you go to someone else's church, you're confused. Because it's a different doctrine, different dogma, or different order 
of, of priorities. You know what I'm saying? So you're, you're, you know how to be a good parishioner when you go into church. So what you learn about Christianity has to do with, largely has to do with how, what you learn in those two hours, not what you live to geneticize your salvation. Mm-hmm. I think you should have a television show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to have them all around the world. So yes. think about it, because yes. apostles' doctrine geneticizes your repentance and redemption. That's very different from church doctrine, because church doctrine literally disciples you to become Christ. Apostles' doctrine makes you an offspring of Christ. Uh, That's why we have the we discipleship program. When it, we need to have a discipleship program, but before we do, can we have an apostles' doctrine program where we geneticize who you are in Jesus Christ? In other words, the genetics of Jesus Christ are installed in you and embedded in you by the Holy Ghost, according to Christ's doctrine that He gave His apostles. Um, I just wanna, I want to say again what you said at the top. Every woman in ministry must rejudge a spy. Every woman. Well, that was worth bringing out again. I was love it? that chapter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and this point that you brought out, okay, a couple of things. Before she was your wife, she was God. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't equip her for ministry, you cannot authorize her. You like that, don't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't. This is my this <laughs> wait, 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 and you can, and they couldn't tell you why. And then you oh, get married. They did, they told you that you, that you really can't. 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 You uh, from the very first time that you took us to the scripture about women silence, I was just listening to that again from the audio Bible, um, you know, taking us to that scripture and putting it in context, mm-hmm. helping us to understand what that really was talking about. Um, you're really the first person and the only person I've heard really make that distinction. Mm-hmm. There's a distinction between being a wife, being a woman minister, mm-hmm. and they don't blend as people think they do. Um, but I think that your analogy is probably that about <laughs> earlier about, you know, how your husband doesn't follow you to work and tell your boss what he can and cannot tell you to do. I'll give you permission to <laughs> allow my wife to work today. No, he's going to the CEO. Yes. I just want you to understand Madness. that I am Madeline's oh, husband, and, and I just came today just to make sure that you understand that our marriage is first and foremost, Ooh. and that because our marriage is first and foremost, yeah. I am her head. Like, you might be her boss or employer, but I'm her head. So I just want you to, so that we have an understanding, that we, we have a real understanding, so that anything she does is because I give her permission to obey you. Oh, is that it? <laughs> okay. Right. Security! <laughs> you know what? This is what they said. You're like, you know what? This ship is full. You can go on home. Yeah, and be your and wife. Be your Because we don't need this problem in the workplace. Yeah. Some of those things are so outlandish and ridiculous. And these are real doctrines yes. taught by real ministers. Yes. And women bought into them. You know, I was sitting there, you know, also known her. 
was telling me about a woman that was being constant on him. When you see this, you know I'm telling your business. She was earlier. Okay, so, you know, come on, keep me up. And she was telling me about this woman. She went to a church, and she was being um, she was being installed as an apostle. She brings in this African guy, African bishop, I think, bishop, and brings in this African bishop who, before he installs her, makes them kneel before her and tell her, no matter what happens today, Jesus is still your head. Huh. I thought to myself, buddy, you need to move, use your return ticket. That's what I'm thinking. And so he begins to say that anything he says and what he says, and her husband's a deacon. Now, I'm a deacon. I had to hit it hard. Deacon, you're a deacon. You're going to tell me because you married me and you sleep in my bed and I sleep in yours, you control my pulpit? You control my ministry, my commission. And so he put and laid down the law, and she accepted it. Let me tell you, first of all, baby, let me tell you something. First of all, I don't understand how a bishop is commissioning an apostle. Because, see, bishops were not around when apostles were being trained and commissioned or recommissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostles were commissioned by Jesus in the flesh, and then they were recommissioned by the resurrected Jesus Christ in the spirit via the Holy Ghost. So she's sitting there, and so he's subtly elevating this man above her apostleship because he happened to be married to her. So what happens when they get a divorce? Is he demoted again? Because I stuck. I said, y'all, no, see, that's that third world stuff. We're not doing that. I'm yeah. sorry. Leadership oh. means what it means. Lead me out front. No, your, wife is, <laughs> your wife is made the CEO of a company, and, 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 and your husband has full control. Yeah, and and you know what? And the, and the chairman of the board calls your husband in right. to tell your husband, even though she's the CEO, right. mm-hmm. she's still not, she's Woo. still, you're still over her, even in our company. Yeah. Even though we're promoting her. In our, see, y'all know how to stupid sounds stupid yeah. when you take it out of this own environment. Stupid. That is just dumb. Yeah, stupid. How, how do you feel about <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is the mess we do to the church of Jesus Christ. And then everybody talk about what's wrong with the church. You got deacons acting like a, a chief apostle. He, in other words, he's a deacon and he's been elevated by this bishop who had no business in that strata anyway. I don't care what you say. And I've heard people tell me that I teach that bishops are above apostles. Prove it. I don't even argue with you. Prove it. Prove it biblically, because you can prove it in church doctrine, but you can't prove it in Christ doctrine. Woo! You cannot prove that. And I'm right. Mm. <laughs> Come on, gavel. That's a gavel. All right. First of all, your husband should be a spectator. Just sit on there and spectate. Baby, thank you for sharing my great day. Deborah, Lapidus. That's all we know. What did Lapidus do? We don't know. They tried to build all kinds of crazy things to validate it because, you know, we can't, we can't, I mean, we just, this, this, this culture crafted church cannot imagine estrogen being over testosterone. Oh. They can't imagine that. I know. Oh. So, I mean, because everybody knows estrogen is weak. Are you kidding me? You know, First of all, the church is two-thirds women. You are never, you're going to have to go a long way to get enough men to run this thing. Half of them are running from Christ. Well, yeah. There is that. <laughs> <laughs> Shereba. Shereba. Is that a Shereba? Yeah. I was like, 
when she told me that, and I said, and you know, I didn't even ask about this just now, and I just said, and she sent overseas to get that idiocy? She could have gotten that here for free, hadn't she? Oh, yeah, you could save the international. Baby, you could have saved the money. He didn't need to do anything. Just come <laughs> somebody. Or the other one, if I hire your, you know, if I elevate your wife, I must elevate your husband. Are you kidding me? You don't see a precedent for that in Scripture except with Priscilla and Aquila. You don't see another one. Every other one is a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Absolutely. I was like, no, uh-uh. And I don't need a twofer. You go and put a husband and wife in together at the same time, and they're not equally um, uh, uh, capable. What you're going to have is a twofer, and what's going to happen is when you lose one, you lose the other. Mm-hmm. So you you, you, got, you you have to be very careful about that. You better know that there's an integrity in that couple. Because some couples have amazing integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say, babe, you know, this is not for me. I thought it was. Why do you think people walk away from marriages that, that were unsaved and then the, the spouse gets called in ministry and one leaves? Why? Because they weren't called as a pair. They weren't called as bookends. Right. We have bookends in Scripture, and guess what? One died. Remember James and John? Uh-huh. Bookends. See, Jesus said, I will have no other God before me. And he'll just as soon sit on your ministry and let it be fraught with all kinds of crazy people who can't get anything done because of your identity crisis. <laughs> I said that one. Did you? Mm-hmm. That's what you said. Oh, you said. <laughs> you said. <laughs> <laughs> you said we came from the line of Judah, not just the Lamb of God. Yes. Okay, that was good. Roar, roar, <laughs> roar, lions. Um, the piece about can he count on you? What in your life does he have to wade through? You went that whole piece that he could count on you, that you don't judge Jesus and this is not a game to you. I thought that was really powerful. Um, that's a question I think that most of us are afraid to ask, um, what God has to wade through in order to count on us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we are part-timers. <laughs> like, you know, God, I'm part-time available Obvious. to you. Obvious. <laughs> When it Obviously, comes to like being full time available to God, we slapped other labels on that yes. to avoid having to do that. You know, so if, if you find somebody who's full time available to God to avoid feeling bad about you not being full time available, then you just call that person super egoistic or they're super radical or you know, mm-hmm. so we just we'll find a label for you if it means that I don't have to feel bad about what mm-hmm. I'm not giving him. So I think that, that was um that was really, really powerful too. I mean so many things you said. I don't today. like the blame shift label. Yeah. I'm getting ready to shift the blame. Yeah. Here's your label. I'm about to label you right now. I'm going to label you because I'm shifting the blame. Yes. Brought to you by BlameShiftLabels.com. <laughs> why are you so religious? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and why are you so sacrilegious? Yeah. See, Christians are <laughs> like, what? Wait, wait. Yeah. What did you just tell me? Well, why are you so, you know, legalistic? Why are you so illegal? You are lawless. Why are you lawless? You know, and there's a whole theology about that, antinomialism, where people, where Christians were teaching that they're above the law, outside the law, no law counts, but Jesus, and we don't really like his law. We're not telling you about it because we don't want to have to be held accountable to it. Why? why, Don't ask me about being legalistic because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to ask you why you are lawless. (laughs) I'm going to ask you why you are an illegal Christian. If I'm a legalistic Christian, then I need to know why you are an illegal Christian. So don't ever ask that to price that. 
because it's not. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not that intimidated. No. You know, and I'm sitting here looking at you, looking like you were just at the last devil party, dressed in full devil garb, talking about you free in Jesus. Yeah, what you meant to say is you free from Jesus. What? Yeah. See, you, you got to love this man. And see, and people have to love God as he is. We, that whole idea, the whole idea of church doctrine and church theology and, and all of that is about changing Jesus and changing people's experience of Jesus by changing the expression of his faith and the expression of his personhood. So it's all about, all of that theology is about changing apostles' doctrine, changing what is. Isn't that nice? Did you want to do some announcements? Oh, do you have a Do you have Do you remember? Yes, I do. Okay. She needs someone to do a commercial break so she can come back. <laughs> uh, Price University is starting August 20th. We're right in the middle of summer enrollment for our fall semester. We want you to visit us online at priceuniversity.org to get more information. Dr. Price is going to be in Chicagoland uh, August 17th through the 19th with Apostle Nona and Antioch Christian Assembly. Um, and Joliet, you can find all the details, AntiochCACI.org um, for that trip. And um, let's see, I don't know, did you, well, I don't know if you want to tell them about that television opportunity there or if you want to wait. But we'll defer. We'll, we'll wait. We'll, yeah, we'll wait. Good stuff. So we'll there's some good things we'll coming in. in. Yes, network opportunities. Um, so then I guess I'll let them know about Summit. And yes. can. So the Apostleship Summit. Yeah, I want to talk about August a little bit first. Yes, we'll okay. talk about that. August is prophetic ed. You all remember prophetic ed? Well, August is prophetic ed, and we're bringing it to uh, Antioch Christian yes. Assembly under Apostle Nona Parker. And so if, you are, if you're planning to be a prophet like for real, and if you're ready to move from your prophesier mm-hmm. position into an official prophet and to become part of God's 21st century prophet, institution, not prophetic, prophet, then you want to be there. I'm going to teach you for three days about prophetic ed and where the prophet is in the future, in God's future. You have, you have to remember that you must separate Satan's future from God's future. Yeah. Satan's future is being crafted as it is. God's future was resolved before the foundation of the world. See, when God wrote his future, he already put Omega on it. It's already punctuated with Omega. Okay. So you want to be there. Again, give yeah. them that information to register. Absolutely, AntiochCACI.org. And I think she's putting it on Eventbrite, which is really good. Mm-hmm. So you can register, bring your prophetic company, bring your intercessors, bring your divine communicants, bring your spiritual ministrants, bring those people who are going to literally bring from God's world what must happen in this world. Powerful class. I have a class called, uh, a really exciting class I'm going to do on spiritual protocratics. You don't want to miss it. Ooh. We got prophetic ed. We got spiritual protocratics. <laughs> and then we also have teach, oh, her tip Oh, yeah. So you better bring forward. What is that even called? I mean, <laughs> what just happened to my mantle's mind? <laughs> I was sitting there saying, oh, my God, we just birthed the prophet to reset the prophetic. I'm telling you, my prophetic, my prophet and prophetic campaign is resetting the prophetic from the culture-crafted church to the church of Jesus Christ, from the church's doctrine and dogma to the apostles' doctrine. And I want you to understand, it's not, this is not 
play time. We've come to play the work. Prepare to get involved and engage. So, again, you don't want to miss this. It's only a few weeks away, isn't it? Yeah. August? August 17th through the 19th. A month. It's a month. We're in a month. And make sure that you bring, and and, and by the way, if you're a real prophet, if you're a real prophet, then you're not going to cry about money. Because the number one thing prophets ought to be able to do is generate wealth from their mantle. And if you can't generate a registration, my money prophets have no hope in you. Huh. Well, because, well, what are you here for? Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> yes. The prophet's mantle is supposed to handle God's money issues in people's lives. All of this uh, arguing about, well, you know, you're just a money prophet. You're absolutely right. Read Second Chronicles 2020. Thank you. You begged me. Oh, my God. I have power in the financial realm of God. Yes. Thank you for noticing that. Thank you for acknowledging that. Half of you all, y'all got all beat up when God started pulling out the economy in your mantle, and you just stopped. I'm not stopping. I'm going on. Anybody, nobody respects a broke anything, yeah. let alone a broke prophet, because you're just worried only. You puff and win. So you need to do that. As a leader of your prophetic company, you need to talk, tell your people and help them monetize their mantles. Come find out how. In Joliet, Illinois, at Antioch Christian Assembly, under Apostle Nona Parker, and it's going to be a blast. So come yeah. and bring. Bring your tire. Bring your broke. Bring <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't have to go into today's show. Oh. Don't have to go. Okay. com. You can click sow a seed on the website there. It'll take you to where you need to go to sow a seed. And you can also use text to give um, 918-608-1378 to sow today. 918-608-1378. And right now, thank you in advance for your seed. I'm getting ready to wrap up. I pray for every seed that's that's been sown to me, yeah. I command the harvest. Uh, my covenant with the Lord of the harvest as his apostle is that I command the harvest. And what I call to be on earth is done in heaven. So I summon the harvesters. I summon your crop. I accelerate your crop. I remove every barrier from your harvest and your breakthrough. And I command poverty to cancel its assignment with you, your life, and your genetic tree in the name of Jesus. I summon harvesters and harvesting opportunities for you. I put a seal around your economic self so that you will meet your needs. And I thank you, God, as I install in your sphere of life the spirit of prosperity. I release this upon you as spiritual blessing on your material seed to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 918-608-1378. 918-608-1378. Love you guys. Thank you, family. See you Sunday. Scripture organic. Talk to you on my phone.